just like Nino I need me a Al Pacino G5, be live, be live and make your money Cheer me up, babe Just when I thought I was out They pulled me back in Zap Pacino, Zap Pacino Welcome, hello everybody, welcome to Al Pacino. I am Lara uh, and I know nothing about Al Pacino. <laughs> it just, it just I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm Maddie and I know too Maddie, much about Maddie, you told Al Pacino. me to introduce <laughs> You told me to introduce the podcast properly. And like I'm 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 cucked. <laughs> Keep it in, double it. Like, let's just come in. Yeah. Anyway, what's the podcast about, Lara? <laughs> it is a podcast about Al Pacino. Every week we explore a film from his filmography. We go chronologically and we talk a little bit about Al and about movie stars and why we love them and about the context of the film industry and just all sorts of nice things. We like to talk about movies and we like to talk about them you and this wow. week we have a guest we have a special guest hashtag france's first guest the successful hashtags you've all seen them you've all seen them viral online <laughs> viral and online yes <laughs> both of these things yes exactly. hello hi i hope Francis, you do love to talk our, about movies our expert. with me yeah. Yes, we do. We do. I it's resident Al Pacino expert. That's me. <laughs> I'm taking Wait, over Maddie's position. Two, two Al Pacino movies now. Is that right? I was gonna say, is that a good place to start, Francis? What Al Pacino movies have you seen? Um, I've seen Scent of a Woman with Great. you both. Oh. Um, spoilers for a thousand episodes in the future. Um, I've seen Cruising. Spoilers for this episode, it's about cruising. Wow. Um, I've seen some clips of Al and Angels in America on YouTube. Cats is about cats. Ooh. Precisely. <laughs> cats. I just say that cats. every episode now. <laughs> the only thing I know about Angels in America. Wow, well you've, you've got a like... It's really not indicative of the tone at <laughs> no, all. No, I know, I know. It is like the second scene though. Great. Um, I think that's it for... Pacino movies. I might be wrong. What a what yeah. a cross section that you've got. The best and the worst. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. The best. Sure. Yeah. Second of a woman. <laughs> he would probably Oscar be winner. Like, honestly, of a woman, yeah, I was gonna say so. honestly, Al would probably be like, yeah, Cruising's my worst film, and like Second of a Woman wrong. is my best. He's, he's wrong, wrong but you know. Yeah, he's very wrong. Very wrong indeed. But. Yeah, spoilers. Here we are. We're going to talk about cruising today. Yeah. Both cruising and cruising. <laughs> shall I, which shall is... I tell the listeners what cruising is about? Yeah, please do, Maddie. Tell listeners what cruising is about. Wait, okay. we, are, we never actually said what I'm an expert in, which is nothing, but it's definitely not Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, why doesn't Maddie introduce cruising and then we can tell everyone why we wanted you on this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Okay, so so Cruising is a film from 1980. It's directed by uh, Billy Freakin. Uh, William Freakin. I don't know why I call him Billy. Billy. I think I've been reading too much stuff. Friend of the show, Billy Freakin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it stars Al, Karen Allen, and Paul Savino, along with some other people who look a lot like Al. And it's a movie <laughs> about an NYPD cop who's asked to go undercover in the gay S&M scene. 
uh, trying to find a killer who's been stabbing men to death after picking them up at leather bars. Um, we wanted to just warn that we might say the F slur during this episode while quoting gay men. Yeah. So if that's going to worry you, uh, you've been warned, I guess. Yeah. So, so but Francis is, is studying art history currently. Yes. And is writing a dissertation, a very interesting dissertation. Do you want to tell the, the listeners? Oh, my dissertation is um, maybe less relevant, but um, I did okay. a... Like a presentation about um about performance art and AIDS, and I've kind of I've gone to a, like gone to I've I've done some studying and reading about kind of like the cruising scene and so particularly AIDS and like activism around New York especially, in like obviously AIDS is like the eighties but also kind of the seventies and just before um, props to Fiona Anderson who I went to one of her talks at my uni and I've got her book and like. All of my thoughts come from her, basically. But yeah, so that's that's me. I love cruising. A man in a cafe asked me what my book was about today when I was reading about cruising, and I very awkwardly responded. <laughs> it's about cruising. It's about cruising it's about in cruising. New York and art and architecture and David Wojnarowicz, who's that's not how you say his name. I cannot correct you. We've already had many problems with me yeah, and Polish so names on this podcast. It's really. <laughs> But um yeah, yeah all right you're a resident a resident historian i suppose exactly. in regards to this and it's interesting that you you know you talk about the the gays epi- the, the aids the epidemic um, <laughs> the gays epidemic <laughs> so true <laughs> lara homophobic confirmed oh, it's already it's happened really we've got it out of point. the way sorry lara <laughs> yeah, what this episode is really about is Lara's cancelled and I'm the new host. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just Francis's podcast now. No one can uh, see because it's a podcast, happen. but Lara is very much head in hand, shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. You misspoke and we had to it's do fine. a bit about I've forgotten, for forgotten what I was going to say now. You were talking so about the AIDS fine. crisis. Uh, well, the gays crisis, actually. <laughs> Um, <laughs> were you going to talk become. about? Were you going to? Because I mean, one of the like really interesting things about this movie is that it came out pretty much a year before the AIDS epidemic started. Thank you. Yes, that is what I was going to talk about. That's what <laughs> and, I was say. and it kind of does represent like a look at what the gay scene looked like, or at least part of the gay scene. We'll get into that before the advent of AIDS and like the kind of just abandon that everyone was going about like having sex with each other which is kind of great and like fascinating to have as kind of like a even just an archival kind of project yeah about that time it's definitely like a culture that's very much been lost and i mean there are still kind of like gay bathhouses and stuff and they are popping back up but that definite scene and like how big a part of the community is has definitely been kind of lost and erased in a lot of ways and it's kind of often boiled down to just like the oh everyone was promiscuous and that's why AIDS happened and I really hate that which I think is it's quite fun to look back at something that's about that scene that's made kind of before AIDS was such a big deal like obviously people had AIDS before then but it hadn't been you know called such it hadn't really been like identified as one thing yeah um, I do think there are maybe we'll get into this later because I know we haven't really spoken about it yet but there's like whispers of AIDS maybe in this like there's a few things where I'm like hmm I wonder if like that is like these kind of 
little echoes of like there is something happening in the gay community but it's not really like identified yet which yeah. i found kind of interesting but well sorry <laughs> we'll get to that great so um al where's that what's he up to how did he end up in this movie because it's a very interesting thing for him to be a part of when we think about what he's done thus far it is it is he made this pretty soon after Injustice for all but in between the two films he played Richard the Third for the first time, and this was the uh, first time that, that he went looking for Richard. He did go looking for Richard, and I don't want to get too into it too much because we can get into the whole history of him and that character on that episode. Um, but it was kind of a disaster; people hated it. Um, it was also the first time it had been performed on Broadway in like thirty years or something. So I don't know if that was also part of it. So yeah, he he'd come off like pretty big success with Injustice for All, but then Richard the Third was kind of a disaster. And he wasn't Freakin's first choice for this movie. His first oh. choice was Richard Gere, um, who oh. he thought would be Ooh. more androgynous That's and like kind of whatever. Like, he especially thought... when you think of like the later Gear, like stuff like American Gigolo and things yeah, like that. Like, yeah, and the kind of the Richard Gere is sleazy period. Yeah. Also, you know? androgynous is so interesting because this is giving me head a bit. Like, this scene is very much not about androgyny. I know. I think androgyny, it's about yeah. being masculine, like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That, that feels like a misread of like what he was yeah. trying to do. Like I don't know, but then also it's yeah. quite interesting because I think Richard Gere was kind of called like the next Al Pacino or like the young Al Pacino at like the oh. start of his career, like when he came up in Days of Heaven and stuff like that. And oh, interesting. In the way that like previously Hoffman had been the kind of shadow over Al, and now Hoffman is like not really working as much. It seems like Richard Gere kind of becomes the replacement for that kind of. That's so interesting. Ooh, yeah, it's, it's an especially interesting because the last thing I saw Richard Gere in was Looking for Mr. Goodbar, mm. the Diane Keaton movie, and he plays he's like a he's like a real creep in that <laughs> movie. Like, I mean, the, that's a movie kind of populated by creeps, but he's a he's like really really violent and aggressive. I can yeah. sort of I can see how with that in mind he could kind of slip into sort of the darker points of this movie quite yeah. well. And it's funny because, like, we think of Richard Gere now, and I think most people think of like Pretty Woman. Yeah, like that's that. the thing. Not really. I just had to. But I guess he's sort of playing a slime ball in that as well. I keep interrupting you. For yeah. No, I'm interrupting you. I was just gonna say I just had to Google Richard Gere to double double check who I thought he was because I'm like, oh, the guy from Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where, oh, yeah, of course. where yeah. I should probably say I've fa- famously never seen a movie, hence having <laughs> seen only two Pacino films. Um, so please don't at me. I, yes, Richard Gere, um, the guy from Chicago. Yeah, of Chicago yes, fame. Very different energy to me for sure. But so yeah, I think hearing he you say that was of, super interesting. He kind of become like Richard Gere. I think becomes kind of a joke, like later on in a way that I think is kind of interesting. Like I. Uh, I don't know that people would consider him like a serious actor now, but he obviously mm. really was for a while and like yeah, has done in interesting stuff. Movie. Yeah, like, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. It's interesting that you say like obviously Al wasn't the first choice because like, I wrote down I was like did they cast him because they were looking for that specific type because obviously like a lot of there's a lot of kind of doubling and a lot of people who look very similar yeah. to him in the movie like that's the point mm. that's why he goes undercover because he fits this type and I was kind of like did they cast him because they wanted Al or did they end up casting him because like it does feel like that kind of type. he mm. does fit that type so it's interesting like Richard Gere to me I mean again I only know him as you know Chicago so like he doesn't he doesn't fit in in that same way and like again with the androgyny it's like they really did in that casting very much shift 
what they were going for, I guess. It's yeah, because this is based on a book, right? This movie yeah, is based on like a pulpy crime paperback, right? Like it's a, it's not a like it wasn't like a New York Times bestseller. It was like a. <laughs> it was written by the like previous editor fiction. of the New York Times, actually. Oh, but it wasn't oh a New York well, bestseller. excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's based on this book called Cruising, and the book doesn't have any of the like S and M scene stuff in it, and. It's just about, like, um, a murderer who is killing men, gay men, and kind of much more more violently than it happens in the movie. Like, he cuts their arms off and stuff, which I guess is sort of in the movie, but not actually, because I don't really know if the start is supposed to be about that. But anyway. Yeah. And then the cop who is uh, looking looking for this guy who is extremely homophobic, racist, etc. in the book. But all the like Hitchcocky stuff is in the book, like the so the, there's only one murderer in the book, and it's kind of psycho-ish vibes, you know that kind of thing, like very mm. kind of like basic gay guy stuff, and it's very like Freudian and all of that kind of thing. It's all about his parents and stuff like that. Mm. But um, yeah. yeah, so the Hitchcock stuff, like he the the uh, killer in the movie is obsessed with Stranger on a Train and the Third Man, which are like double kind of doppelgangery doppelganger movies. And sure. um, the killer does look like the cop in the book. So that's part of that as well. So like, even though it does seem... I, I was surprised that like all of that stuff is part of the book because that seems very like cinematic, those kinds of references, like a very kind of... Something that I would have thought that Freakin would have put in himself as part of the themes, but that seems like it was already there to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, people people who read the book have been like, yeah, it's not very good. It's kind of trashy and... Freaking improved it, yeah. even though that people, even people who didn't really like the movie, were like, "Yeah, the book was already trash." So, like, yeah, it's so interesting. The fact that it comes from Hitchcock, and you think about, I think Psycho is obviously, like you said, kind of feels like in the background of sort of serial killer movies, kind of historically, just because that's sort of not necessarily like Exhibit A, but like kind of the the first like big kind of cultural idea of that sort of thing and you think okay well if it's just interesting because you know psycho was inspired by again and that kind of history of like the gay serial killer is kind of or kind of in the background of you know something like you think about jeffrey dahmer and stuff mm. like that like it's but it's also you know in terms of the cinematic influences it kind of if you think about hitchcock people who've like incorporated Hitchcock into their like somebody like Brenda Palmer mm -hmm. and that kind of like uh, taking the sort of Hitchcock psychodrama and like turning it onto its head and making it these sort of making these sort of lurid like pulpy mm -hmm. movies it's yeah it's just interesting that it kind of it all sort of like trails back you know there's this weird sort of history that has come from I think basically I think what I'm trying to say is that I think this movie has a place in like a long line of movies about serial killers and movies about it's it it exists in like a long history of sort of American Hollywood filmmaking, even mm. though it is kind of yeah. a weirder movie than a lot of those movies and yeah. a more subversive movie than a lot of those movies. Kind of in addition to that, like I think based on the book and because of that kind of long history it almost, putting it into that context, it makes the protest make not more sense, but it's kind of, seeing it in that way, it's almost more understandable. Like, yeah, you don't want, like, something else that's portraying gay people in that kind of way, but I definitely think this film is a lot more kind of nuanced and complex than that. Oh, it's interesting, like, to think about something like Rope, which is a, a Hitchcock film from mm. the 50s, 
and it's like the kind of best shot he gave at like getting around the Hayes Code and making a film about gay people but it isn't really I mean there's at no point does anyone say anything like that but like you watch it and you're like okay no. this is very clearly like a gay couple and they're murderers but it's very like <laughs> they're very, it's very high society and, and yeah yeah and like and it's all about them like doing the perfect murder and it's also about like you know the arrogance of the upper classes and stuff like that in a way that this has absolutely nothing, no interest in anything like that but yeah um <laughs> Mm. It, there is a definitely like especially in Hitchcock but in in other kind of crime filmmakers as well like that kind of equivalence between homosexuality and murder which is yeah. obviously mm. well it's just the kind of you know yeah. sexual deviance and other exactly, deviance yeah. and especially with like mm. the gay community yeah. as it was kind of associated with like leather the leather scene and everything you know there is an element of violence to that so it does yeah i mean it's very evident improving improving increasing that kind of the erotic and the dangerous and violent play into each other in a really interesting way which i think is really interestingly done in cruising but it i can see you know externally like why maybe you would want to protest it um but also i think it's good (laughs) It's also interesting that, like, <laughs> yeah. a lot of the protests were, like, based on... Uh, Arthur Bell wrote in... I'm getting into the protests already, but anyway. Uh, Arthur Bell wrote in The Village Voice about this movie being made and, and just kind of knowing about it from the book. So, like, knowing that someone yeah. was adapting the, the book of Cruising and not knowing... Not having read the script, not knowing what... Like, oh, knowing that it was going to be changed to be set in, like, the other bars, but not actually having seen the movie, obviously. And, like... Actually, part of the story for the, or like the inspiration for the film was from one of his columns where he was talking about um, these murders that had happened in the gay community. And also inspired by, there was a cop who I think consulted on the French Connection, who Friedkin knew quite well, who had gone undercover in this scene and kind of in a similar way to like Al's character in this movie, but also someone who was in The Exorcist uh, committed murders that were very similar to these murders and wow. found he was in the exorcist yeah like a like an uh, <laughs> kind of featured extra or something like that and yeah so and he was on Rikers yeah. and so Friedkin went to kind of talk to him about these murders that he'd committed wow. and he, I think I think it was it, I don't think it was from the mineshaft but I think it was from like that he found his victims but like other kind of clubs that are featured in the film mm-hmm. so yeah it's like based on things that actually happened which is kind of interesting maybe this is we'll get more into this later but I think what you were saying about Friedkin, like, conferring with the cop that helped with, like, the French Connection or whatever, there is such an interesting relationship with the police in this film and the way that mm. they're so complicit mm. in the making of it, and yet the film doesn't... It doesn't seem particularly ambivalent. It seems almost anti-cop, I guess, even oh, though yeah. Al is a cop. Like, mm. it's such this strange relationship both in the production of the film and within the film itself with the police, which is... Super interesting, I think. Um, just also that the fact that in the book there isn't so much about like the bars and stuff because it, it did to me. It's, there's very little cruising in this movie, mm. and it's called cruising. Mm. Um, it's it is way more about these bars and this kind of place of like. I think cruising, obviously, it's it's a gay thing, but it's the point of it, not the point of it, but like it is kind of within the city and part of it is like the danger of you know being exposed and being caught mm. potentially by someone who isn't part of the people cruising and stuff like that um so to 
kind of change it into this space that's almost like a it's like a not safe space because of like intentional violence going on but such a like an overwhelmingly gay male space it, it is yeah. interesting i don't really know the point mm. i'm trying to make but it is just kind of interesting seeing how they've shifted it yeah and like yeah. when they do the yeah. kind of there are bits that they have in the park and things like that but the kind of picking up of people happens in the clubs yeah but then mm. i mean especially with like with pacino's character like he doesn't do anything within the clubs which is kind of interesting because like the purpose mm. of those spaces isn't to pick people up and take them home it's to yeah. have sex there exactly. i mean not exclusively but you know um do you want to talk about the clubs i actually was going to say while we were talking about the police that one of the clubs that, that's like heavily featured and majorly inspired the film was the mineshaft and francis and i read a re- i don't know if you read it lara but we read a really great very long but great um piece by Witcher? Jack Fritcher about this club anyway and then there's one bit in it where he's talking to the guy who owned the club and um the guy is Wally Wallace and he says that um the film company set up a bust of the mineshaft and bribed the cops that helped with the French connect and Wally Wallace was arrested and taken downtown and then the movie crew came in and photographed everything in the club so that they could recreate it for the movie yeah um because they'd stopped them yeah they'd banned them from yeah. Um, shooting there, which is like great, great. Yeah. Only, great. One of the only people who was allowed to take photographs was Robert Mapplethorpe. Yes, Robert Mapplethorpe. So the cool. absolute best. Also, yeah. oh, I read something that Mapplethorpe, like his interest in um, black men, came from the scene yeah. in this movie where the uh, huge black guy in a jock strap comes in and slaps Al Pacino around the face, which is a crazy scene. It's, but that's oh, yeah, which interesting. is interesting. It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it really um, does. It really does. It really does. Sorry, do we want to do we want to talk about the club? Should we? Yeah, just an additional point to that. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that as well as obviously the I don't know if it was like confirmed that the police did that raid in order to get yeah. in, but it's obviously I don't disbelieve it. But also like with the protests going on to kind of skip ahead to that, mm. like they there were a lot of police trying to like keep the protests at bay. So it's these two very different ways in which the queer community are literally the well the gay male community is literally being policed in this yeah. making of this film about policing them um yeah. which you know maybe i hate this film mm. <laughs> <laughs> well we didn't actually talk about al <laughs> oh that's true we didn't we he's didn't. just not the most interesting <laughs> he's thing really really not no he's well, like, he's pretty not. but like i don't well, how did he get in this movie apart from not being richard gear <laughs> It's, oh, I he just looks don't gay. Really know. He's like, pretty. He's a pretty boy. He, you know, it works. I think, I'm the Al scholar. <laughs> the answer seems to be that the script was good, and he wanted to work with Friedkin mm. because they tried to make <laughs> what would become Born on the Fourth of July together. Oh yes. Um, and that didn't go. So he still wanted to work with Friedkin. This is a quote from Al. I took this role because the character is fascinating, a man who is ambiguous both morally and sexually. He's both an observer and a provocateur. It gave me an opportunity to paint a character impressionistically, a character who is something of a blur. So that's interesting. I don't think he's very good in this movie. I don't know if we want to like talk yeah. about about that, but like he's okay. But I I don't know if he's like the person I would have cast, and I think he seems kind of lost. Oh. <laughs> like in a way, I, really I don't know. Like he just... him in this movie. Is that a hot take? I really like him. Yeah, in that's this a hot movie. take. That's interesting. <laughs> I do. 
I have limited opinions on Al Pacino. I'm sorry, don't don't have me on this podcast. Um, I will say the character is described as late twenties, and he was forty yeah. when oh, this yeah. movie was made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fully crazy when they're like, Why you was he twenty-eight? And I'm like, like, oh, you're like what? He's literally forty. Like, like the oldest man alive. <laughs> it's so it's so funny. You can see like it's the crinkles really in funny. his eyes while he's yeah. like talking to this yeah. to Paul Savino, and I'm like, yeah, twenty eight, absolutely, <laughs> like sure. And like I said to you, you said you think he's had a perm. I think I like was looking at I, his hair, and I'm like, what's wrong with his hair? It looks like crunchy. I'm pretty sure I it's understand. a perm. Yeah, I'm pretty he just sure. Is styled very strangely, and like they do nothing to compliment. <laughs> his age you know they're not like oh we'll make yeah, you look, yeah, yeah. we'll make you look great al it's like he looks not well for most of this movie. <laughs> poor thing i, I think he looks Jesus. pretty good in this movie <laughs> i actually think oh, he looks good yeah i think he looks good See, i think that's oh, great me. we've already established a dividing line which is that i like the performance but thinks he looks like crap <laughs> and you guys don't like the performance but think he looks good no I don't dislike the performance. I I'm, I'm I don't have any opinions on the performance. I think he's good. It's interesting that Maddie's saying that. This is a podcast about making... Al Pacino. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've seen two Al Pacino movies, including this one. Um, it's interesting what Maddie was saying about him looking lost because I think he very much is. Like he even he even says yeah. to Nancy something about like he says like don't let me lose you or something like that, which is like mm. there's very much this implication of like you know don't let me lose myself like. And the yeah. way that, like, his identity is so, like, we'll get onto stage because I have a lot of feelings. Um, Like, the way his identity is so, like, amorphous and there's all these body doubles and stuff. Like, he very much is in this kind of, he is quite, like, a lost character. Like, he's going into this world that he knows nothing about, losing his sense of self within this kind of community. So, yeah. it, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying he's good. I don't know enough about acting. Um, <laughs> but, like, it is interesting to me like, that you particularly said that because I do yeah. think that's almost the point in a way. Yeah, I, I do think that that's, like, definitely part of the character, but I also just... I don't know how to describe it. I just think also because, like, there's so much going on in this movie, it's, like, part of the problem that I have with it is that it's just too much too quickly. Like, it, I really do feel like that... I mean, they did cut a huge amount of this movie out because of censorship. Uh, not censorship, mm. sorry. But, like, getting it past the MPAA. So I imagine that's part of it, but I just... Yeah. Like, he's such a kind of uh, cipher in this, and... I think he works well when he's got personality to play, and I feel like this character doesn't have personality. Like, <laughs> I just, I think also it's just like personal taste as well. Like, I prefer when he's got stuff to do, and he mostly yeah. just like looks at stuff. And I think this is the first movie I've sort of seen him in where it feels like he's more of a vehicle for the plot than he is. Mm the lead in a way i think even a even a big movie like the godfather where there are lots of pieces kind of moving around he is you know he's very much a character whereas in this he feels more like the, he feels more sort of audience surrogate in a way that he has in oh, a lot absolutely. of other things that he's in basically yeah basically everything that we've talked about he has been and you know this is like al pacino before the title like he's the lead of this movie it's his great big face on mm-hmm. the poster but he, it, yeah, he's really not necessarily, this doesn't feel like an Al Pacino movie, like capital A, capital yeah. P, capital M. Which I guess is why I don't love it. And which is why yeah, I, I like it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think but that's I think, something yeah. why we struggle to talk about him, because it's like, most of you, I have like, 
exactly what Lara's saying. I have a lot of thoughts about his role as audience surrogate and, like, the character mm. as the audience's introduction into this world as well mm. as his own introduction into this world. But, yeah, it's very much about us seeing through him rather than us seeing him, necessarily. Yeah. And I think maybe his character doesn't really, like, as in, his character's personality doesn't matter that much because so much yeah. of this movie is, like, symbols and figures and stuff. Like, it doesn't have to be about, yeah, like... it's that good shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's great! I, and I'm like, why don't these people have a conversation, man? Like, <laughs> why aren't these people kissing Al? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is that your real issue with the movie, that nobody, like, wants to fuck him? Like, he, like, gets approached by, like, <laughs> no, two guys? No. <laughs> Poor Al. Like, Unrealistic. Zero Al stars. is not fuckable enough in this movie. <laughs> No, I think no, he's no, no. hot in this movie. Am I the only one? No, no, I think he's hot in this movie. He's hotter in other stuff, but like, no, that's not that's not really my issue. I I have a hard time articulating my issue with this movie. I do think the main problem that I have is that that I wish it was more explicit, and <laughs> that there was like, <laughs> I love living in uh, the ambiguities. I love the ambiguity. <laughs> yes, not even not even that. Sorry, Tell not me like nothing. Not explicit in the plot. I mean, explicit in the sex scenes and stuff like that. Like, I, I think, like, part of the problem is freaking chasing the R rating, which I think is kind of a pointless thing that he did. Like, I don't know why yeah. he was trying so hard to get an R when, like, Midnight Cowboy is rated X. Like, you don't have to, you know, <laughs> yeah. fit your way into an R rating to be a good film. Yeah. Um And Midnight Cowboy is quaint compared to this. Like, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. That's wild. I guess, like, him talking about what he cut out made me wish that uh, th- those things still exist, those scenes still existed, which they don't, because they weren't looking for them when they did the re-release. Oh, and he said that, kind of, you get more of an idea of character in those bits that got cut out and oh, things like that. And I just, I think, yeah, I think I see potential in this that it doesn't pay off for me. But I also understand... It, I also kind of it because it's great in places. I like want it to be great all the time, and I don't yeah. think it is. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was going to say that Maddie very kindly made us a little cruising reading list before we I did started this episode because we wanted to like get some context and we wanted to learn about it. And one of my I was already reading a book and they felt pressured. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, exactly. We wanted to like we wanted to be on Francis's level. But <laughs> one of the essays that I read, um, which I really enjoyed, uh, was called The Cruising Controversy. It was by Edward Guthman, and there was a quote in the essay that I pulled out that I think kind of articulates Maddie's issue with the movie and sort of I suppose it is an issue that I have with the movie, but I think that everything that I find interesting about the movie kind of balances it out. And Guthman says that uh, despite his fascination with the S&M world, Friedkin never attempts to understand the men who inhabit it. There's plenty of window dressing and not enough soul, and the bar denizens remain icons without motive. And I think that's, like, very incisive. (laughs) Very incisive. (laughs) And, like, that kind of is... I think if if you were to be, like, I have a lot of reasons I like this movie. Character is not necessarily one yeah. of them yeah well it just in terms of like like thinking about that about the kind of especially about the um attendees of these clubs like this the, that long piece that we read about the mineshaft that one of the things that and also yeah i actually read it also in the i read the kind of introduction to um this collection of tom and finland um drawings that my friend lent me 
talking about how like in those Tom of Finland drawings, like these guys are always smiling. Like mm. even mm. if they've like, you know, hurting someone, like they're smiling, they're having a good time. Like everyone there is like mutually consenting. Everyone there is having a good time. And like one of the quotes from Jack Fritcher from him talking about being in a, being at um, the mineshaft was him saying like, after he had this encounter, the guy and him like smiled at each other and then like went along their kind of day. And I really do think that part of the problem with this movie is that everyone is so miserable. And I mean, that's part of the kind of point of the narrative yeah. and, and yeah. that's fine. But like, if, if you're talking about the kind of representation of this community, it seems like it's much more joyful than this movie wants to mm. show it. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Definitely. Yeah. That was one of the things I wrote down when I was making notes about it. I was like, this is a community that is clearly like, un- there is clearly a sense of unity, like even with the Ted character who is sort of outside of the, love Ted, by the way, just putting that out there, big fan of Ted, who is like so clearly out, like uh, representing kind of the, you know, uh, you know, a more like quote unquote acceptable face of like gay male existence because he's you know he's very polite and he like has a real job and he's a student and you know he's a nice boy and like yeah uh, but he like you know they are all talking about these crimes like they are all kind of impacted by the fact that there is a man going around killing gay men and like there is a sense of (sighs) there's a sense of solidarity and there's a sense of communal anger but there isn't necessarily a sense of communal compassion i suppose like it's not like everyone is kind of supporting each other through this horrible like you know community shifting acts of violence that are happening like there's a there's a sense of fear in everybody but there isn't necessarily a sense of solidarity in a warmth or a you know a bonding like it's not like you see people walking their friends home or like you know uh, offering people places to stay like it's not there's a there is yeah it's a cold movie and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing but I do think that it it kind of it does a it does a good job of wiping away the sense of with maybe one exception I think the scene where like (laughs) the scene where um, Al's character like huffs something and like dances. Oh, that is scene really is great. unbelievable! And, it's so good. And uh, and he's just on poppers. Yeah, like, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with like the exception of that, I think it is kind of a movie that is about it's about the gay community, but it's not necessarily about the community angle of that. Mm. Yeah. But, th- yeah. Yeah, I think I. I feel mixed about this, because I definitely agree with what you're saying, but I do think part of what I find so interesting about this movie is this doubling and this idea of kind of anonymity and identity and kind of this weird tension between the two. And I do think, like, anonymity is a part of cruising and stuff. There Mm. is not... Which, again, maybe that's why it feels weird that so much of this is in the clubs rather than in cruising, which I think there are more familiar faces in the clubs and stuff, whereas cruising, it can be more anonymous and stuff like that Mm. there's less lights you know and i think there is this there is this sense of anonymity there's this eroticism in anonymity in cruising the act not cruising the film but in the film the anonymity is so frequently alienating and there's this really good quote it's um it's quoted in the anderson book i have but it's by 
Mark Turner, and he refers to cruising as an act of mutual recognition amid the otherwise alienating effects of the anonymous crowd. Mm. And it's it's so clear that there's so few scenes where Steve, Al's character, Steve, very butch, <laughs> very ma- macho man Steve. name. Steve. Steve Burns. Steve Holtz. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very clear that he's, you know, there's there's not this mutual act of recognition. I mean, there's even that scene where he has the little bandana and he's like, the guy's like, yeah, take that off if you're not... Yeah. And he's like, doesn't want to engage. And it's like, Aww. even this like clear sign that's supposed to be like something recognisable and something bet- like within the gay community that has a clear meaning. He's, you know, he's not using it properly and he refuses to kind of recognise these signs. So there isn't this kind of sense of recognition in community mm. because he is this outside audience mm. surrogate who's being introduced into the world and he f- you, like there is a sense of alienation in it and that he doesn't know anyone and also the sense that he's losing himself and losing his identity and being alienated from himself mm. in this place that's supposed to do the opposite and it's supposed to you know not be alienating and that yeah that's kind of my main issue with it I think is is that it's so much it's so othering and it's so mm. you know I don't think it's I don't think it's homophobic but I do think there are elements of it where it's so kind of like we're being introduced as, you know, it's clearly for a straight audience and the surrogate is a, a straight, uh, quote-unquote straight man, because obviously yeah. it's more complex than that, but, you know, <laughs> he's introduced as such. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's just so, like, it just, it feels quite an othering kind of mm. lens. Mm. I feel that and way then, as well yeah. about the, like, the kind of, the fact that it is so joyless feels mm-hmm. to me a bit like freaking only being able to understand this kind of, sadomasochistic community as like gay men punishing themselves for being gay Mm. by doing this Mm. rather than as something that's genuinely pleasurable and has nothing to do with you know like self-harm or whatever that would be right like I think there's no clubbing in this film like I said like it is so much about the violence and so little about the pleasure Mm. like it's an erotic film but it's erotic yeah, the eroticism comes only from the violence and mm-hmm. it doesn't come from the pleasure of it and it yeah. doesn't come from the community of it. It comes from the alienation, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah. It could be so good and it's just not, but I like it enough to forgive it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that really speaks... You know, I love Freakin'. I really enjoy, I think, every movie I've seen of his. Like, The Exorcist Same. is one of Same. my favourite movies of all time. And I think he does have this propensity for violence and for like you know for both literal violence and spiritual violence. Like he's a he's a filmmaker that is very pre possessed with yeah acts of violence in one way or another. And I think that it lends it lends itself well to some aspects of this movie, but it kind of leans too much into that alienation and it can yeah he can it can be quite a He's got quite a cold lens, I think. I think he's a yeah. filmmaker that has passion, but not necessarily compassion. compassion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I like the sort of luridness that he can kind of occasionally bring to things, but, yeah, it, yeah, it is complicated when... And, you know, it, not to go back on kind of a point that we sort of talked about earlier, like, we've we've watched a couple of movies a good couple of movies about you know about the police and about police brutality and about mm. corruption in the police force and to me this movie is maybe the most damning uh 
towards yeah. police than any of the movies actually about that that we've watched. Like, I think this is yeah. a more aggressively anti-cop movie than something like Serpico, which is really interesting. <laughs> and like, but it's it's sort of like you know he's a he's a filmmaker who I think he leans more towards anger or towards you know. Violence or rage, and I think he's a he's a filmmaker that captures negative emotion very well and very clearly. But I don't know if he's a guy with a a fuzzy communal core, and that's kind of mm. you know. Yeah. I don't want this movie to be warm and fuzzy, but I think it would be nicer if it was. There needs to be pleasure, like it's about yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah yeah, and like you know, uh, this ties in so perfectly with a movie about the Exorcist, which a movie like The Exorcist, which is all about guilt and about like shame <laughs> and about like that good shit. Yeah, all that great stuff that we love. Yeah. Um, and like Can I yeah, make a this really feels... gross metaphor. Of course, this, please. You know how at at the start when they're talking about the like the murder victim and they're talking about that guy's semen like doesn't have any sperm in it. It's like that's this movie. It has the sex, but it doesn't have any pleasure. Yeah. You know, yeah. gross yeah. metaphor, but it, like it's just there's missing no something. Se- that, there's no sperm in the semen. <laughs> not that like infertility is you know bad. I don't want to like I'm not implying anything, but you know, it is just the sense of like. Something yeah. is, you know, it's not as it should be in this film. Yeah. Also, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because I have feelings about yeah. that. Feels like such a weird, unnecessary detail. It's just yeah. all. Yeah, I really <laughs> it is way. interesting. It does feel like something more is going to come of that, but it never does. Yeah, and it happens. Well, I wonder if that's something that was like maybe more part of it when it was cut. Mm, but it feels like it's yeah. just like it. It made me wear like wary at the start of this movie. I was like, that feels very like you know. And also with the yeah. dad stuff that comes back into it, it's like this characterization, oh, yeah. characterization of gay men as like impotent and like failing to be masculine in some way and failing mm. their relationship with their fathers. And it's mm-hmm. all very like, that doesn't need to be that. And I don't, th- obviously the dad stuff is in the book, which I guess makes it make more sense because it doesn't feel very well rounded in this film particularly. Yeah, that's, mm, that's the worst, one of the worst exactly. bits. Exactly. Like, so yeah. it's like just these bits that like, you know, those are the kind of more sus bits of the film and they don't feel like they need to be there and they don't feel like they bring very much to me. Yeah. And it's like, you know, take out some of that and give us some good sex. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> I don't know, just give us something more. Like, yeah. There's yeah. another great like, quote in that, um, in that uh, Guthman essay where he says that sex between men for Friedkin is a prelude to combat. And I'm like, yeah, yes, that's, that's totally yes. it. Like it's oh, such a it's truly it. Yeah, that's what he's interested in. Like he doesn't care about the sex; he cares about the violence, and like that's exactly. fine. But it's not. But that's not what this you is. You know, if you're making a movie about like this is a movie as much about sex as it is about violence, and it you is, can't yeah. just make it about the violence. You know, I mean, like leather bars are the opposite. Like it's not sex as a prelude to combat. It's combat as, as a prelude to, to sex, sex. <laughs> yeah. like it's the complete opposite so yeah he's like really coming at it with this such like yeah. inc- it's like a mirrored lens of what it should be you know yeah, yeah. yeah totally yeah totally <sighs> yeah. But, I feel like we need to get onto the stuff we like about it because we're just talking about our issues with it but I do think it's really no it's good. good I think we front load the issues and then we can get into yeah. the stuff that we like <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering, Freakin has said like about this movie that the point of it wasn't to make a movie about this community, but to make a murder mystery 
mm. with the backdrop of this community and I'm like okay Billy but then why is your entire movie about this community and basically not about the murder mystery at all yeah, because that's exactly. not like yeah, you really like, no... don't care about that plot because it's yeah. completely yeah. tossed away there's no crime solving in this movie whatsoever <laughs> it's like it's not like no. he's like doing detective work he just like stands around and has crises like... he's just bait occasionally <laughs> he's like that's <laughs> They anyway, just throw him out to the like, gaze. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like him in retrospect being like, "It wasn't actually about this guy. It's fine." And I'm like, "Sure, oh, I believe Billy. you." Yeah, yeah. That's a real freak no. move, though, to be like, "Oh, they didn't mm. understand it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't understand it, Billy. <laughs> but yeah, what haven't we spoken about so far? We haven't really talked about the backlash. Mm. Um, yes. I don't know if we want to get into that. I did oh, kind we'll... of. I started talking about it, but I didn't actually. Sorry, get into no, it. but yeah. So now we can talk about why this film is good. Actually, yeah, we hate exactly. gay people. <laughs> exactly. Famously, we hate gay people. Um, I was ta- no. I was talking about recording this with my flatmate earlier, and I was like, I just know we're going to be getting into it, and I'm just going to be like, I hate gay people. And obviously, <laughs> that's not true. I just, you know, I do. We want to say up top that we are big fans of gay people. Like we are, we are. We but are. sometimes they do really stupid things. <laughs> yeah. But it was the sometimes it was the 80s, they care too guys. much about being acceptable to straight people. <sighs> yeah, this. Stop policing yourself. Stop sanitizing yourself. Just let the gather- leather gays be leather gays. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. We're making the point before we get to the discussion. Yeah, so I mentioned that the, this was kind of... The protests were kind of instigated by Arthur Bell. Um, Arthur Bell, yeah. And he said that the film promises to be the most oppressive, ugly, bigoted look at homosexuality ever presented on the screen. And this was before yeah. they'd made the movie. Like, this was just... <laughs> Based on the book. Yeah, he's like, this is what Anita Bryant would have wanted. And you're like, (laughs) Arthur. (laughs) I don't think it is. Sure. And yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so this was just kind of. uh, Well, some people have said that this was a kind of mass protest. Some people have said that there were more gay people in the movie than were protesting the movie. So you will have to make your own decisions about that. But um, there's definitely a lot of gay people in the movie. That's the thing, yeah. They used a lot of extras that were actually part of the scene. But um Oh, cool. Yeah, so this protest, like, a lot of it was kind of difficult for them to get to because this film had the protection of Ed Koch, who was is that how you say mm. that? Ugh. Koch Koch. Yeah, who gives anyway. A shit? Koch? Is it Koch? Okay, thank you. Um who was yeah. mayor at the time. Um, but he was kind of <laughs> yeah. well, he they 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 gave kind of support to the film. They gave the police to support the film, but which is just it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and the <laughs> like, of, were... like of course it does, but you know. Yeah, the protesters were like they went to uh, the mayor and were like, "You've got to stop this from happening." And he's like, "Well, the government doesn't censor things," and I'm like, "Okay, but you're also like helping them, which is yeah. also kind of whatever." But anyway, so there were lots of police around, and so these protesters had to use kind of guerrilla tactics mostly involving a lot of like sound related stuff so lots of whistles lots of air horns lots of people in like apartments next to where they were filming playing loud music to the extent that most of the really terrible adr yeah exactly yeah so most (laughs) of the scenes are adr i'm sorry i'm interrupting Um, you no no you're right it's yeah that's why Mm -hmm. a lot of the scenes are adr but also i did think in a couple of the like scenes in the mineshaft but not the mineshaft whatever the club is in the movie that they spend a lot of time in um you can hear whistles pretty loudly um on the actual 
movie. The mix, and yeah. it kind of sounds like it's part of the song that they're playing, but I'm pretty sure it's oh. not. I'm pretty sure it's just Yeah, they disguise kind of it background well. noise. Like you wouldn't exactly, if you yeah. didn't know, you wouldn't know, I don't think. Exactly. I didn't notice it the first time I saw it. But because I, I watched it after I read all this stuff, so I was picking up on that kind of thing. But yeah, you can hear it a little bit in the mix, but um, they kind of got around it. And they knew that they couldn't stop them from making the film, but they were kind of like making it more expensive for them, basically, was the point. And they had to take, yeah. do like more days of shooting and get around them. And yeah, there were like people... if they can't stop them, at least it'll be a flop, which it was anyway. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, a big flop. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, some of the extras. Uh, because a lot of the actors were part of the gay scene, some of them acted as spies and gave kind of information about where <laughs> wow. film, where they were filming and stuff like that, what was being filmed next and what kind of the Ooh. plot of the movie was and stuff like that to mm. protesters. Fascinating. Um, I kind of love that. I just love the intro. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the protest. It seems like... Yeah. Hmm. I'm interested in, in this as kind of a point in... About ten years after Stonewall, when gay liberation had made some pretty massive strides and before AIDS, and so I'm wondering if perhaps this was because there was nothing else for them to <laughs> protest about, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, like I don't know, it's summer, you're bored, it's New York, what are you going to do? You're going to go on a nice little protest with your friends for this movie? That's, that's kind of... um condescending of me but like i do think that's part of it like i think this obviously this this film in its form would not have happened during the AIDS crisis but like that people had much more important things to be worrying about then so i think maybe this movie would have been basically ignored at that point um (laughs) i suppose to me it it sort of feels very much um francis sort of mentioned it earlier but like it feels very much to do with a a sense of respectability politics, right? Like, yeah, it's true, it's yeah. about the fact that, you know, gay people are making significant inroads at this point in terms of public visibility and in terms of mm-hmm. their actual rights. And, you know, for a movie like this to come out, I can understand the impulse to go, oh, well, this is a big step back for us because it, you know, we've, we've kind of, you know, we're starting to make inroads in... Um, uh, you know the notion that we're just you know we're not like all sexual deviants we're just like you you yeah. know we we have nice but apartments some of us and are we, and like... that's good actually <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, i've lost my train of thought now i'm sorry i'm really sorry <laughs> i hope your joke was worth it, it francis <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah that's one of the things that was like said a lot by the people in the leather scene at the time which was like yeah you have that really good quote don't you sorry yeah i'm just like wait let me find it it just feels so like representative to me of like the whole tension here and it's a tension that i think i mean not to get discoursey but it's one that's still very evident in you know the pride discourse that happens every year so it's Mm. so interesting to me like how long this has been going on for and also (laughs) it feels almost interesting that this is a discourse that kind of started pre-AIDS like it feels like Mm. a lot of the reason a lot of kind of sexuality was stripped out of the gay scene and stuff is because of AIDS so it's kind of interesting to find out that this tension and this kind of sanitization was happening before that and before there was this kind of 
step to be like, oh, we, we're not, you know, we don't deserve AIDS because we're not all having bad, you know. I don't know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah it's just interesting to me. Yeah. It is really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I've, I found the quote. So this is a quote from Wally Wallace talking to Jack um, Fritcher, who said, gays are always embarrassed by the leather community the way straights are embarrassed by fags. <laughs> yeah. Which. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like, what more is yeah, there to say? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that Will and Grace quote as well. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about too. <laughs> oh. uh, so this is a quote from Jim Hubbard who made a film about the protest. He's an experimental filmmaker. And he said, if I had known that our protest against cruising would lead to Will and Grace, I never would have done it. Which, yeah. <laughs> rude. I, um, very true. So I, was writing, I was writing an essay last year about the commodification of pride and the way that corporations have kind of sanitized and homogenized the queer LGBTQ, whatever you want to call it, community, and just turned pride into this big spectacle rather than a process. It was very much a, like an art historical, focusing a lot on the rainbow, the like the rainbow flag view. It kind of like whatever you want to call it, corporate pride bullshit. And so, yeah, I was writing a lot about how it homogenizes the community into this male, white, middle class, respectable thing. And obviously, I was doing it from the lens of corporations, but it's so interesting to see how, like, the community was only doing it to already doing that to itself before the corporations got involved. It was like, it was very much like, I don't know, it, it very much feels like, oh, we did sell out. It wasn't, you know. Obviously, corporations are evil, but it's this way of, yeah, kind of allowing that to happen and trying so hard to be acceptable to the straight media, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, making everyone, like, queer eye. No offense, queer eye. (laughs) But, yeah, and it's just... Yeah, it's just so interesting to see that it's very much a self-censorship that went on first, I think is what I'm getting to. I'm rambling, but, Yeah. yeah, it's... This... It's also about a, like like not being threatening in that way. Oh yeah, that, exactly. Like, a lot of the kind of things that I was reading was about this kind of like suggesting, uh, saying like you know that these. Where am I going with this? Like the will and grace of it all, right? The kind of like these people, do they touch each other? I don't know if they ever kind of like have any kind of erotic situation with each other. <laughs> like the kinds of like. Uh, asexual yeah. gayness in that way, mm. which is much more reassuring to straight people because they're like, oh, like you know, in the way that you have like the gay best friend or whatever it is, like that kind of very exactly tokenizing thing and like making yeah them just like, oh, we'll go shopping together or whatever yeah. the like terrible stereotype would be, versus yeah. this, which is like like a kind of this leather community which you can't you can't sanitize you know you can't it, yeah you know? exactly yeah you can't you can't make that asexual it's it's fundamentally <laughs> yeah. sexual like you know, there's literally a shot in this film where it's some guy's hand which i mean in the mineshaft article they talk about it it's like this is very much realistic where it's this guy's hand and it's like covered up to his elbow and like lube and he's just fisting yeah. someone and in it, you Crisco, know which is yeah. which is which is um shortening <laughs> yeah exactly it's beautiful it's wonderful it's art and it's like yeah what are you gonna do if you don't want it to be sexual? You don't want it to be you're not, like straight people yeah. are gonna see you as sexually deviant anyway. Like just embrace that like that part of the community. It doesn't mean you have to be the one being fisted. You don't have to go to these nights. <laughs> just accept exactly. that that's part of you know the culture and part of what's going on. I don't yeah, know, yeah. It's annoying yeah. me. Yeah. I like it's this interesting. Show. <laughs> 
Did you guys know that William Friedkin adapted The Boys in the Band in 1970? Do you know what yes. The Boys in the yes. Band is? He... No, but they do talk about it in something I was reading. Yeah, well, it's a it's an off-Broadway play. It's sort of, it's, I think people talk about it in the vein of, uh, like, The Normal Heart and Angels in America, kind of like that wave of gay um, yeah. theatre of that kind of period. And that movie was... Its reception was mixed. I think more people liked that movie when it came out than Cruising when it came out. But the most interesting thing about it is that the boys in the band, for a lot of gay people, it seems, was a weird issue. A weird one because it kind of does the opposite of what Cruising does in that it is incredibly sanitized and like feels very like full of sort of gay like misery and like pining and like self-pity and it's sort of a a lot more you know quote-unquote stereotypical in terms of you know flamboyant camp sensibility how you know gay people were sort of very traditionally perceived I suppose in media and it's so interesting that Friedkin is kind of like in his depiction of gay people in his filmography has swung from like one extreme to the other extreme. Yeah, it's like, almost like embodying from, like, those tensions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like from like you know effete camp feminine to like uh, cold icy sadomasochism. It's yeah, it's so strange. Mm. And he's yeah. a filmmaker that you know it, he seems to have like his relationship. The from the quotes that I've read from him about making this movie he seems to have a very strange relationship with gay people and with the gay community like it's not like he's like i'm an ally he just seems to be like very interested in the notion of like homosexuality in a very clinical way he's a strange yeah, bird good for him. is bill you know i mean yeah <laughs> what's My that man not interested in was them describing like freaking going into the mineshaft like to do research for this movie sure. wearing literally just a jockstrap with a mafia escort who was also in just a jockstrap yes! but with a <laughs> but with a gun in his sock which is like oh my perfect. god that sounds great i want to see that movie i want to hear oh, about yeah. like yeah <laughs> it's really i know and i'll Al also went to the club, but he wore just jeans. Boo. I mean, that's I basically all he wears baby. for this whole movie. Just, like, it's jeans. True. I know. He's just in oh, jeans and, like, little jackets. That's kind of it. I wish he wore more outfits. Oh, I, I wish know. that for everybody in all movies. I want everyone to wear little outfits <laughs> all the time. Can we talk, we about, talk the about the movie? I want to talk I, about the mafia. You, you can talk about oh, the mafia. Sure. <laughs> no, I just. I also want to talk about the mind shop, but let's talk about yes. the mafia first. It's it's such a brief aside. It's the, it's the mafia tangent. Um, no, just the, there's that bit where he's talking to oh, whatever it's called, his boss, the cop guy, and he meant Paul Savino. Yeah, Paul Savino. Yeah, that's not the position within the police, no. but yes. <laughs> Paul he's the, he's the, the Paul like Savino. lieutenant or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever he is, um, chief, whatever. Chief, yeah, whatever. Chief, sure. Talking to Paul Savino, and he's like mentions a name, and I I can't remember what it is, but it's like someone who's like all the way up to the top or something. And Paul Savino yeah. says like like don't worry about it, like don't deal with it. And it's like such like a subtle like mafia hint in the way that like yeah the police buyouts and like how the mafia did protect the gay community in these mm. sorts of clubs at the time. And, like, it's so subtle, but I just really liked it. And also, it's a Pacino mm. film. 
You want to talk about the yeah. mafia? I have a I have a relevant note actually. Is that um, <laughs> uh, Arthur Bell? Uh, at one point, he says like he calls himself like the godfather of the gay community in one of the essays because he's like oh. he's like if I ask someone to put no, out a not. hit on William Friedkin, they do it. Like that's not exactly what he says, <laughs> but that's what he's like. He's like I'm the godfather, and I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. God. Bro, it all comes really back. does not come out well from this. <laughs> no, that's you know that's actual mafia, my guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly true. Yeah, did you, the mafia like literally owned Stonewall. You know, the best allies there ever <laughs> were. The mafia also also owned the mine shaft, yeah. which I want to talk about because this club is the kind of main inspiration for the club in this movie, and we talked about how they kind of like stole in and took some pictures and didn't really get permission but um <laughs> That's this place is it. so is so interesting to me like i read this the whole long piece about it and like tom of finland went there keith herring robert mapplethorpe um they turned away mick jagger because he brought women with him um <laughs> vincente minelli went there rock hudson went there foucault went there like oh. it's really kind of oh it's it foucault this kind of I know, I love Foucault. Um, <laughs> and Freddie Mercury wears a Mineshaft t-shirt in the video for Don't Stop Me Now, which kind of rules, which is uh, designed by Rex, so who was this hard. artist who did who did all the like illustrations and stuff for the for the club. Um, and Robert Mapplethorpe was the official photographer for the club for a little while. Um, and kind of got into leather as part of like his time in that club. But was, a, I think... Um, they were saying that he's more like he wasn't into the kind of public side of it like he was into it privately but didn't want to kind of actually take part while in the club kind of shy but I saw some of Mapplethorpe's like more explicit photographs in the Guggenheim when I was in New York and I wish I could remember more of what they were like but they're really great and um, I do remember there was one kind of contraption that he'd built uh, like a kind of sex toy contraption that they had on display but I can't remember amazing what it, like what his purpose was but it was great oh. you like just a, wanted like, to name drop you were just like yeah I've seen <laughs> I did want to name drop I did want to name drop but I also I wish I she I, knows I, she'll I make to, like, me actually... jealous the art historian <laughs> I wanted to say something like useful about it I mean part of it I it is interesting that like it did have like an age check to get into this kind of part of the Guggenheim to see these pictures and like mm. they are difficult to see mm. And yeah. it's kind of unfortunate that I mean, he his photographs were like famously censored, um, but like that they still are is kind of crazy to yeah. me. I mean, it's not like we've got better at dealing with like sex and society, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like you would think, how many naked women are there in the Guggenheim? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know obviously these they're not just they're somewhat more explicit than just nude. I'm sure, but you know, yeah. there's so much like. If there's one place where we shouldn't censor, just, you know, yeah. no kids exactly. in museums. <laughs> no kink at pride, no kids in museums. Um, kink at pride, if you couldn't tell. I'm very <laughs> Sorry, um, I just feel like we've been alluding to it too much. I had to say it. Yeah, I know. Uh, what was I going to say? There was something... Well, there's this whole bit in this in this piece about, like, the representation of the club in cruising... And they're saying basically it's pretty much accurate. Like, people thought that it was kind of an embellishment of the degree of sex that went on there, but it wasn't at all. Like, mm. 
pretty much everything that they included was actually happening. Yeah, and um, like to the point, lots of people like there were a lot of rumors that it actually filmed at the mine shaft yeah. because the interior was that similar and like yeah, the, they the sex it, swings yeah. and the bathtub. Is the bathtub that's in the film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's in the film. That's one of those things that I didn't notice the first time, and then like, after Wait. I read this, I was like, oh, the bathtub. Like, yeah. <laughs> <I see." laughs> um. Yeah, I really like how much the. It feels to me like the clubs define the entire aesthetic of the movie. Like, it all feels very mm. cohesive, yeah. with the glaring exception of Karen Allen's apartment, which is like white yeah. and bright and airy and clinical. And it's just so interesting that that's like. <laughs> it's shot like it's like a hospital almost. Like, it's so yeah. egregiously bright in comparison to everything else. <laughs> Even his like little, you know, uh, like meatpacking district apartment is like pretty small and pretty dark and pretty cramped. You know, the moments in this movie where we are, like, outside in broad daylight feel so alienating when uh, such broad swaths of it are just, like, in these, like, dark rooms or dark streets. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's cool that it kind of, uh, I suppose that that is the, like, the neutral state of the movie, I suppose. Like, you feel mm. more comfortable in that environment, in the darkness of the movie, than you do in these kind of moments of brightness and like like i said sort of sterility and uh, yeah it's yeah. it's interesting but there's there's also there's a scene at like there's like a pop at, he goes to the park when he's tailing yeah the guy i can't think of his name um richards or something he's like is it steven richards yeah richards. Richards. Stuart richards. <laughs> i don't know where steven came from <laughs> Stuart richards um yeah and like they go to the park and it's obviously there's kind of an implication there about like oh you know, killers could be among you. They're just hanging out every day in the park, but it's also, like, <laughs> gay people are just hanging out in the park. You know, they do have, like, yeah. this life that's not just going to the club, which is... I don't know, I kind of like that, even though it's it's entwined. Like, there's so much... Oh, the way that it's all, like, the idea of identity and, like, who's gay and who's a killer, it's all entwined. Like, I mean, putting it like that, it sounds sus, it sounds bad, but it's. I just find it so interesting. Yeah, everything is fluid, right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's yeah. just, like, identity is fluid. Uh, like, state of mind is... Fl- the whole thing is yeah. just, like, this big, like, whooshy mess of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> which is I which mean, is great, but also bad, but also great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, the first thing that I took away from it is this kind of idea of, like, the gays with Zed. Um, and, like, how, like, it's all about kind of cruising itself and being mm. a killer and being a cop it's all about kind of looking and seeing and kind of like not categorization but trying to like to discern like if this is the guy you want to kill or if this is the guy who is killing or if this is the guy you want to fuck or want to fuck you like there's so much of this is about kind of i guess the failure of looking and the i mean the biggest failure is that of steve the cop like he you know arguably mm. fails to find the right guy and yeah yeah like so it's kind of this failure to find the killer but yeah just this idea of like how identity and like it's all so fluid so it's so hard to kind of discern and find these things i just found it like i mean that's definitely like the kind of art history and me coming out um but i do just find it so kind of interesting yeah. um yeah. and like we the audience like our gaze is very much kind of through Pacinos, and it's it is this alienating gaze, like I said. Mm. But I think there's one fun. of those things that uh, is a 
quote from the uh, piece we read, Cruising Some Afterthoughts, Views from an Outsider by Scotty Ferguson. Great piece. Just really, really great. Great piece. Um, and one of the things is, he says, So insidious is the cumulative effect of all this that any two males seen on the street in buses or walking down innocuous apartment corridors are immediately compromised. So, like, as you're watching the film, every kind of interaction becomes gay by the like yeah you become the the you look in the same way that the people in the film look and you look in the same way that like you know gay people have to look because you you have to have that kind of understanding of like just innate understanding of whether the person you're talking to is gay it's that mutual recognition thing from the turner quote it is this kind of you know the mutual recognition and the the gaze it's all it's all about looking and identifying and it's oh it's good shit uh, should we talk about the the plot now? I just want to read this this poem at the end of that piece about the mineshaft because I really love it oh, and I yeah. think it's just like in the way that we've been talking about this actual community and then we can move on to talk about the movie and how it talks about this community. But um, it was always beautifully symbolic to me that gorgeous sides of fresh red meat were hanging from bright hooks outside the warehouses around the mineshaft. And oh, what a gift it was in those years to be able to meet every once in a while in a lifetime surrounded by people so moral and ignorant they think it is a bad thing. This enfleshment, this incarnation of self, this becoming flesh that is, well, the actual very heart of Christian theology. I always hear of neo-religious people talking about how physical sex led them to spirituality. I'm talking about how physical sex leads to animality. After all, I am equal parts meat and spirit, and I have never minded celebrating either. In the sanctuary of the mineshaft, the word was made flesh. And for a writer, what could be better? Uh, Francis is very happy. <laughs> oh, no, I love it so much. My whole dissertation is it's about, like, religion and sex and performance and, like, embodiment and flesh. And it's just, oh, it's all, really all, the, all my favourite things. It's really yeah, good. And, like, uh, yeah. body and soul. Yes. And really good. Both yeah. are good, actually. Yeah, it's just Yeah, so that was excellent. that was Jack Fritcher. I'm going to link this piece because it's available online and everyone should read it, even though it's very yeah. long. It's it's, all, like, I truly, um, I opened it, I didn't think I would finish it, and I read the whole thing, like, in one It's like 46 things. pages and both of us were like, yeah, read the whole thing. It's so, Great. Oh, it's so interesting and just so yeah. good. Uh, yeah, Should I talk about the movie? movie? I mean, it's yeah. like, the, the interesting thing about this movie, and I know we say this every time, is like, the plot isn't that important, but also this thing is so loose, <laughs> like, it's so, yeah, the yeah. whole thing is so like, deliberately kind about of, the murders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, I mean, ultimately that's what this movie is about, right? But I think the the first thing that you notice, or the first thing that I really noticed in this movie was the fact that, like, Al isn't introduced until like fifteen minutes in, which is interesting. Yeah. Especially when you think yeah. about uh, what we watched, uh, what the last um, thing that we spoke about. I've forgotten the name of the movie now. And Justice for All. <laughs> we spoke about And Justice for All, which is uh, a movie that like immediately opens with him. Like he's like immediately there. Like he's the first thing that we see basically, <laughs> and uh, like it's interesting that it again. You know, we're talking about the fact that this isn't really an owl vehicle in the way that everything else that he kind of has done thus far has been but everybody looks like him and that's like the most interesting thing it's so immediately obvious this is also kind of related to my point about kind of the movie being about looking is as someone who is not the most familiar with al pacino's face i'll just say it every time they introduce someone i was like i don't think this this is al But it, it does look like him. Kind so, like, of they, So it was this yeah. sense of like not only trying to like identify like 
who out of like these two who's like who's the first like main scene really is um a conceived <laughs> witness like the picking up and then murder of one of these people so it's like you know you're trying to work out who who's the killer and who's blah yeah. and whatever and it's also me being like is it is any it's of him is any of these Al Pacino? <laughs> I don't think any of these are Al Pacino. Yeah. It's um, like a guy who looks like Al Pacino killing a guy who looks like Al Pacino in a room full yeah. of people who look like Al Pacino. Exactly. It's and then really in, fascinating. Like, the, in the next murder, isn't it like the guy who played the victim in the first yeah. one then plays yeah. the murderer? Yeah. I, yeah. Everyone yeah. looks alike and I, you know yeah. it's all about how I can't Really, the film is about how I can't see shit. <laughs> Everyone but nobody can. That's the whole point. Yeah, but like exactly. There are so it's many crossovers, and like it's the it's the same. There's a quote in um the the um afterthoughts piece that you mentioned earlier, mm. where he's like. Uh, the same actors are playing both cops and gays and victims. That to object to the film not being realistic or easily cut and dried, solvable is lunacy. Which is like completely. It's so yeah. obvious from the go that this thing is meant to be obscure and like complicated and the this relationship of this idea of you know interchangeability and like doppelgangers and sort of personalities different sides of personalities it's all so clear from the go and it, it feels so <laughs> i think expecting this movie to be very cut and dry really is like it's so immediately not that from the go yeah you know? but in in a way this is kind of it is about like it's not about al's character because it's not so much about character but it is about him because it's about him kind of losing his self into this kind of mass of identities that are just like him and um there's a not to say something we've said a thousand times but there's a quote from the i think it's from the mineshaft article i actually didn't write it mm -hmm. down i'm a bad student um it says at the mineshaft the group dynamic was such high energy that a man had to be in control of himself so as not to get swept away in action that was too extreme for himself mm. so it's this idea of you know there is a sense of losing yourself to the crowd and the community but in such a good way compared to in this how al is so much like trying not to lose himself and not to kind of fall into like you know doing something gay which is the too it's not like an extreme sexual act but for him that's the too much for himself yeah. yeah um and then the scene we alluded to earlier where he does finally kind of join in and he dances and he kind of he switches from being this one who's doing the looking and trying to discern to almost being the one who's being looked at because he's in yeah. the middle he's dancing whatever it's just like it felt like such a turning point when it was happening mm. Mm. But I'm not really sure that it was so much of one in the film. I don't know. I man. think the murder is the murder is the turning point for me. Like the the well, it's kind of the end of the film. But like, yeah, <laughs> there's not much the, left the to turn. <laughs> yeah, but like the the ultimate kind of these murders that are being done by these gay men in some way or another, like you know that they're both victim and killer, and a lot of the actors play both and. But this is kind of like that they're that they're closeted and they're trying to push against this part of themselves. Like I think probably this is the the main theme of the film. Like even though it's it's mostly just Al's character who is like maybe discovering that side of himself, but I do think that maybe the rest of them are as well. That like that being in the closet is what makes them murderous. That that the that the violence of being not being yourself means that at some point you have to do this kind of explosion 
of like passion in some way and there's no coming in, in the film, film that's in the film that's stabbing someone right but it's 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 like yeah but surely the, that's that kind penetration of... <laughs> in one way right? exactly exactly, like, exactly. That's, yeah that's let's be obvious about this you're being yeah. stabbed and it's <laughs> it's either stabbing someone or being stabbed right like the, yeah. the, and both happen to people to like the uh actors playing yeah you know. yeah they fit into both roles i'm not explaining this very well but yeah i, I yeah that kind of like climax of this kind of uh closetedness ending up being the murders um mm. and and when he probably uh kills ted that feels like when after that he ted. is kind of accepting in some way of who he is at the end That's yeah kind of I, I wanted to ask about how you read that because yeah, i read it I, differently I, I literally i didn't really know how to take it so i wanted to ask about how you guys read it so what did you think lara i i read it kind of I kind of read it the opposite way, actually. Yeah. Like, I sort of... I think of him, we presume, killing Ted, which is really, I think, both interesting because it is the most graphic murder yeah. explicitly shown in the film, and it is the murder that I think we as an audience member are encouraged to kind of feel the most. Like, it's certainly yeah. the most upset I was by a killing in the movie, both because, like, we, we hang out with Ted for a little while, you know, and he's very likeable as a character... And because it is the most visceral mm. by far, and unexpected, mm. you know, at this point in the at this late in the movie, especially when we yeah. think that the whole thing has been wrapped up, right? I think mm. to me, it's it's almost like a bloodletting. I think it's him being like uh, Ted, kind of represents, you know, he has kind of a little flirt with Ted. Like it's clear that there is like a there is a level of like. Uh, bonding between the two like he's the first gay person that Pacino meets in the movie yeah. and like he's kind of you know they hang out and they talk mm. about yeah there's like the a killings and, there. yeah they're, they're, exactly yeah, he's exactly. kind of his first like gay companion and like <laughs> the only person that he has a significant relationship with in this movie outside of his girlfriend and mm-hmm. I think for him to kind of unleash that violence and to have it be so aggressive as well and so bloody and so bleak is almost like a purging of these feelings that he's having, you know, and representative in the fact that this is the guy that he's been closest to for the duration of this thing. And then, you know, you cut back to him in... I keep forgetting her name, so I'm just going to keep calling her Karen Allen. In Karen Allen's apartment. (laughs) Um, And, you know, shaving, like, doing this act of, like, neatening himself up, like, you know, kind of bringing himself he's in white like he's back to this sort of sterile heterosexual relationship that he's kind of been like half-assing for most of the movie like he's mm-hmm. having very sort of dispassionate sex with her and like yeah. isn't particularly he's orange juice on her yeah soul. isn't particularly <laughs> interested in like maintaining his relationship with her he's much more interested in doing his job which like again like a classic pacino theme really right mm-hmm. <laughs> like and so uh, yeah i interpret it more as him being like I literally can't deal with the fact that I am, if not gay, then at the very least bisexual. Mm. And I can't deal with it. Or even just interesting. Yeah, exactly. Or just, yeah, more sexually ambiguous than I had previously considered myself to be. And I cannot deal with that. So I am going to... Because all I've been surrounded by this entire time is these images that I don't understand and these acts that I can't comprehend and this violence that upsets me like it clearly upsets him we see you know 
how much of a toll it takes on him in the movie. And I think it's like he... Him killing Ted is sort of... We assume him killing Ted is sort of this way of him being like... It's like he takes the the leather S&M aspects of this movie, of, of the community, to sort of its furthest logical extreme in this act. And is like... Yeah, it's, it's Friedkin. It's like he takes the community and he makes it only about violence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he doesn't, you know... Um, but even... the But it's the fact that that's the one kind of, you know, quote-unquote good relationship he has in the movies with this guy mm-hmm. who extends sort of a, you know more, hash, you know, quote-unquote normalised sense of yeah. the gay community to him, and he rejects it, and he throws it away, and he kills him in a, you know, really horrible graphic act of violence. I mean, we don't see him killing him, but we see the result, the body. and it's, yeah. it's very unpleasant to look at. And it's the bloodiest yeah, bit yeah. of the movie. Yeah, it is. Despite yeah. all the other murders, you know, I think it's the most yeah. kind of blood and whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, and you see his face. Could it be an exorcism? That's, that's what I. The, the, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I was reading. That <laughs> yeah, people saying that this is like a film about possession, and it... that each of these people like. <laughs> <laughs> Lara is rubbing her hands. I'm together like with rubbing glee. my hands together with glee. I'm like, oh yes, it is. A fly. Is... <laughs> I do really like that reading. Yeah, like that, me too. That it's it's these people being possessed, and then the murder is the exorcism and then it passes on into the yeah. person they've killed or whatever it is like yeah yes yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting I, I i didn't really know what to make of it so i i definitely didn't think about it as much as you guys or even in the same way i think mm. at first i was just so kind of like you said it's surprising and it is so kind of brutal and it's it's again it's a murder that's done kind of like when we see it it's daylight it's one it's the most mm. well-lit murder i think that we see yeah um yeah, and I really at first I really didn't like it, and I was kind of quite taken aback. But I think dwelling on it, one of the main takeaways of that for me, and also kind of the film as a whole, beyond looking, which I love, is just kind of the police violence and how mm. with the gay men they're both murderer and victim, and they're you know they're they are having pleasure, even though we don't super see it in this film. There are erotic moments, and there is kind of there is a sense of fear and eroticism, even though it's definitely quite cold but in every interaction with the police it's only violent it is only like mm. there's that scene right at the beginning where the uh, they're like trans characters the trans adjacent i don't really know what to call them because it's definitely not like a modern sense of gender politics but the sort of trans characters yeah. they're very well treated by the film they're entirely sympathetic yeah. and mm. their relationships with the police yeah, are tons of violence that show the police as bad but also don't show them extremely brutalized like there's the implication that one of them is forced to give a cop a blowjob, but mm. we don't see that on screen. There isn't. There's like they're given this amount of dignity that that the violence against them is yeah. mentioned but not even shown. 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 Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, but the way and we trust that it happens. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's not like we're yeah. like, oh, this this guy's. You know, the cop is being fucked with. Like you know. It's like we assume we like we're like oh yeah that happened yeah. that happened and it's yeah there's a great quote again in the cruising controversy that's like 
Whatever anti-gay bias Friedkin may have carried into the project seems small next to his contempt for New York City's police department. Venal, bigoted, and unsparingly vicious, the cops in cruising solicit blowjobs from drag queens use every homophobic epithet in the book, and in one scene stage a brutal rape in order to draw a confession from an innocent murder suspect. And like, that's, yeah, yeah the worst people in this it movie is. are the cops. Exactly. Which is wild, yeah. you yeah. know. And Our very cops progressive. are bastards. Our cops are bastards. <laughs> Our cops are bastards. <laughs> Sorry, Al. <laughs> it opens with with them being with uh, them being sexist yeah. as well. Like it's yeah. just like yeah, that I thought like, was so interesting that yeah. it's like the the movie opens with like men hating like being aggressively sexist about like complaining about their yeah. wives yeah. in this like surrounded by men. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, like it's more ambiguous with Al until that kind of final implication that he kills Ted, and it's like. In every relationship that the police have with this community, it is one of violence. And it's not it's mm. not mutual, it's not, you know, it's not the erotic violence of the clubs, it's just plain violence. Yeah. Um, and there yeah. is no sense of consent, it is really just violent. And I think that's kind of yeah. what I took away from that ending, more so than, like, the kind of more symbolic things you guys were talking about. Um, but yeah. I also think, like, I've been thinking about something... Griffin Ewan actually said on on the Rosewood episode of Blank Check, he was talking about like um, that often so, someone's reaction to being sexually attracted to someone that they don't want to be sexually attracted to is to brutalise them. Yeah. And to mm. react in a way that is violent rather than to kind of deal with that in Act themselves. That. And like, and that seems like, you know, that, that this starts with sexism and then it, and it's homophobic and, and you know, to avoid dealing with someone with your desires you yeah whether that be hurt the people who've caused those desires a prostitute you. or your wife exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. like that that's yeah. that's the reaction to that in these men rather than to yeah accept that in themselves or whatever it is and that's the the scene at the very beginning where uh, uh steve is kind of like uh, being essentially like interviewed for this job and the first thing he's asked is like you ever had a man suck your dick and he's like what <laughs> you know like it's yeah. it's so immediately like it, it's interesting to think about you know the idea of like uh, you know whether that's a really really great point like that it's there's sort of this sort of fascination with the gay community from the police that kind of comes across both in their violence and their you know yeah there is sort of a sense of like a sick attraction to it right and they just don't know how to mm. sort of deal with it you know they're spending their time driving around policing these these gay spots and they're not you know they're not necessarily doing anything in the scenes that we see them doing we see them you know on on the uh, cruising the scene if you will yeah um truly yeah, but yeah, but, like, they're looking as much as we are looking and as much as everyone else is looking. Like, it's all part of this weird mm, yeah. sort of spectacle They want of... to be outside spectators, but the very yeah. act of spectating means you are participating. Yeah. Because so yeah. much of it, it is about looking and the mutual yeah. recognition. Yeah. Yeah. I, and one yeah. of the cops from the start is in the club um, at one point when, when it's the um, cop night. I the, love that. Not the mineshaft. Oh, it's such yeah. a great image, isn't it? Like him descending into that bar and just being surrounded by men dressed as cops is yeah. such a great. Like it's so there's so many layers. There. Yeah, <laughs> you're like this is great, and his you can't t his face is 
this is what I'm saying when I really think that I like this Pacino performance is that it, you like it holds on his face for a while and he's kind of the the interesting thing about one of the interesting things about this movie is that it feels very there aren't a lot of close-ups in it everything is sort of shot mm. from quite far away like there's not a lot of time mm. you spend like in profile on one character everyone is sort of in a two shot or like uh, from a distance and the camera rows a lot and when he enters that uh, they call it like what do they call it they call it like there's a really good name for it i can't remember but like everyone's dressed as a cop right or it's is like a cop? precinct yeah. night or something precinct something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. yeah it really made me laugh which is yeah. like bad but um and like but yeah it holds on his face for a little while when he enters and like you can't tell if he's like angry or like turned on or like yeah, stressed or if he look it kind of it's like he like he thinks he's like hallucinating it i really like how yeah. ambiguous his reaction he looks is really panicked it's, also, yeah. it's the first time that i think we but also he sees the person he gets closest to having sex with in the film yeah i know yeah. because in my notes i have in capital letters precinct night and then underneath pretty boy which is Skip Lee. He's so I love it. He's very pretty. Yeah, great. But, some great faces in this movie. Yeah. All the doppelgangers yeah. are like yeah. amazing but looking, which is great. I, it's interesting to me that the the very closest he comes to having sex is it's when he's wired up, and we the audience yeah. we we don't go into that it's room true. with him. We just hear it over the radio, which breaks up, so you can't even really hear what's going on. And, like, we don't mm, yeah. hear it until it is interrupted by the police who are going in and we see him tied up. So there is this sense of <laughs> yeah. ambiguity about we don't really know what was going on in that room. And neither do the police, yeah. which is kind of why they run in so fast, is that kind of... Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a, a threshold that might be crossed, but we're so far from it that we don't even know how close it is to being crossed, and neither do the police, and they're so f afraid of it happening mm. that they have to mm. interrupt and... It's very, yeah. um, very Hitchcock and very De Palma. I was thinking yeah. about um, Blowout, actually, which is a great movie. And a lot of that plays out in um, John Travolta's character having like recorded an accident happening. And so he like just hears it and doesn't see it. And he's like going over the tapes. And a lot of that movie is about that, like the kind of witnessing things through hearing them rather than through seeing them necessarily which yeah. I think is really interesting and like also like Pacino's character like hearing arguments through the wall in his apartment and stuff like that like there's a lot of that kind of yeah. witnessing things through hearing them it's very compelling that we were, when we sort of as you say this is kind of the main sexual encounter that he has in the movie aside from sleeping with his girlfriend and it's interesting that he seems to have like gone headfirst into the kind of like he's tied up when they yeah, come in it's yeah. not like and it's interesting because like you know he went to the effort of like i mean obviously it's sort of part of the setup but he like takes him to a secondary location like yeah. it's not like clearly you know there are ways to do this you know in the confines of like a, a gay space but he sort of he takes him outside of that and it's clear that it he's clearly thought about this interaction more than it would be for a sting. Like, he could have just invited him to his apartment and, like, gotten him a drink and they could have, like, sat there for a while and yeah, then the cops could it's... have come in. But he's like, no, tie me up, do it. Yeah, well, it's so interesting because it's clearly recreating the way that the murders were committed, you know, lying down yeah, front yeah, first, yeah. whatever. But in itself, there's an eroticism to that danger, especially because throughout the whole film, the erotic comes from the violent. So that when we come to this setup, we know there's the potential danger of it, but that in itself is kind of hot. Which I think is yeah. the final scene where he's 
actually cruising and they're walking through the forest. Like, it's kind of hot. And it's partially because through the whole film we're so built up to kind of, and also just, you know, because of the scene in general, built up to, like, conflate this sort of danger and the eroticism that it's hot you know um yeah and like i think there is in the film itself the fact that they are recreating this murder potential murder scene in a scene where there is potentially going to be a murder except for the fact that like the cops are outside i don't know Mm. it just it's it's interesting to me yeah it's also interesting that like in the beginning the first murder we see like they have sex before Mm. um he's killed yeah but yeah so it seems like if Pacino's like, tie me up, like, that's the thing that comes after you yeah. have sex with him. Yeah. Like, you gotta do yeah. it in the wrong order, my man. Yeah. Like, come on. And the sex is <laughs> shot very intimately as well. Like, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not like it's... The sound design! Sound design! The sound design is, so is great. Good. There's this great moment, I think it's sort of after they have sex, they're both, like, just... You just see it's like a shot of their, like, the end... They've both got boots on, it's just like a shot of their mm. boots on yes. the bed. And it's like this very sort of... I think one of them, like, touches, like, reaches down and, like, touches the sort of inside of his leg. And it's this, like, very intimate little moment that yeah. kind of mm. is interesting and, to kind of... And it's the most yeah, intimate part of the film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. directly pre-murder. It's <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, it's even the bits strange. with Nancy aren't really that intimate. No, not at all. No, well, they get less so as well. I yeah, think. yeah. Like, there's, there's as the he one gets kind of deeper into it. Yeah, the one where he's, I think she's giving him a blowjob and he's like staring off. He's like hundred, like he's got the thousand yeah. yard stare. And, it's like, and I'm like, I wonder which of the boys he's thinking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, who's he like, thinking about? It's skip. We know it's skip. Yeah, it's uh, my beloved. Um, <laughs> I really, I really do. I, I was enjoying this film a lot, but I really do hate the interrogation scene. And I understand yeah. Yeah. kind of the way, why it's the way it is, and it is about the police violence, but it, God, it was so viscerally uncomfortable that I think after that, yeah. I definitely, the rest of the film, I was a lot more on edge than I was for the first mm. half. That's mm. more just, you know, yeah. But it's interesting that that is sort of, uh, prior to the kind of end of the movie, the scene where you feel threat sort of most explicitly. Like, that feels yeah. to me like the most dangerous moment depicted in the movie it is. or at least and the most obviously dangerous in like a police precinct you know yeah um, yeah in the middle in like broad daylight like there's windows yeah. it's an open room there's like several people in this room like you know you think about like accountability you're like you know al is a cop like why aren't they you know he's meant to be part of their team and they're just not like responding to that at all it's yeah, I, well, I, got, they, they can't break his cover, right? They have to. Um, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, but it's not like they're even like, oh, we're gonna take you next door or whatever. Like, it's not, you know, there no. are ways they could have handled that without, yeah, breaking uh, his cover. Yeah, and he says yeah. to the the gigantic black guy, I feel like anyway um like where he's like, you actually hit me, man, and I'm so like, strange. what is going on here? Yeah, yeah it's a very straight, very strange yeah. sequence, but also really hammers home how much the police are kind of a real villain in this movie, if we're going to have a villain. Yeah. Which is interesting, you know. And like I said, more, like, more... And more and more obviously anti-cop than a lot of the movies that we've seen that are about cops. Like, in real life, there were... Like, the cops were literally murdering people who were cruising, you know? Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it is so... 
Yeah, like, if it would be irresponsible to show all of these, like, gay-on-gay crimes without showing how vicious the police were and how they were kind of one of yeah. the main sources yeah. of danger at that mm. time. I don't know, like, it's just so kind of scary, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah. is, like, the most kind of horrifying part. It's not the eroticism and the leather gaze, it's the police, like, forcing yeah. a yeah. guy to take his pants off and like a bright room yeah yeah it's also interesting that you know when we reach the end of the movie and well we we approach the end of the movie and he's sort of pursuing this subject that the subject as we meet him in his day-to-day life is like very assimilated right like he's at school he's like he studies musical theater and he's like you know of course he does (laughs) writing letters to his dad like it's you know he's Dead dad. His dead dad, but you know. <laughs> yeah, his dead dad, but we don't know that. Like, you yeah. Know? <laughs> but and it's um, it's it's interesting that like you know if we kind of if we do assume that like he's the killer at the end of it all, and you know it's him that is the source of all this violence, and we spend all this time in leather bars, and like none of those men are involved. Right? Like, it's the guy who is the outsider, who is the assimilated, that is the source of this, this brutality. And it's not, it's not the bars. Like, that's not where the threat is coming from. It's It's, him punishing, it's always him punishing the people who do go to the bars and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In the same way that the protests were, you know? (laughs) The calls coming from inside the house, right? (laughs) Like. Yeah. That's also, he's much more of a Norman Bates. Kind of character than yeah, yeah. any of the other guys in the film. Like he's much more the kind of prototypical like psychopathic serial killer character. Yeah, in that he's like obsessed with his dead talking dad to a dead parent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And like he's doing his little sing song rhymes and yeah, and like high yeah. functioning in a way that yeah. like yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. And and able to like whatever trick people into thinking that he's normal. In the same way that Norman Bates does to start with before it starts to slip in Psycho. Yeah. But, yeah. He's also kind of interesting because he, he's the kind of one that doesn't really look like Al and kind yeah. of... Yeah. He mm. does a bit, but, like, he's he's kind of... I find him almost, like, the least compelling part of the movie. Yeah. Like, that character. Like, I kind of wish that they just remained, you know, the same kind. Like, the guy at the start has a much more interesting face, <laughs> but, like, otherwise, like, the, the kind of... I don't know, to make him like an actual character rather than just like a symbol or like a kind of something that's passed between these guys, I think is kind of a mistake. Yeah. Which is from the book, but like, he's obviously much less of a character than he is in the book, but still like kind of yeah to offer that like explanation of like a whatever abusive father or whatever it is, like yeah. seems kind of like a cop out. Yeah, it's because he's impotent and his father sucks and he's... Yeah. <laughs> don't care. Yeah, to... It's boring. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. yeah. To tie it back to the possession narrative it's like Mm. he's like a ghost like he's like he's he's just like a shell Mm. of a guy to harbor this like force you know rather than actually being a person he's just you know Mm. operating under the guise of this you know malevolent sort of being that is jumping from body to body from person to person it's yeah you're right he's not really a character but he is sort of you know Kind of the red herring of the movie, I suppose, right? Yeah. Like, that we kind of... That's also when you start kind of cooking with gas with Al's character, I think. Like, at that point mm. where, like, he's looking in windows and... Breaking has in. kind of... Yeah. Exactly. And has kind of, like, fully <laughs> lost himself to mm. 
<laughs> what he's like chasing after. Yeah, at there's that, that great shot where he looks out the window and Al's just like on a wall, so yeah. looking at it. <laughs> so good. He's so like, good. hello. It's so threatening. But it's like, really yeah, of course this guy is gonna try and stab you in a park. You've been stalking him. <laughs> yeah. Also, he stabs him first. Yeah. Like, it's Al attacks him. That's actually like yeah. just just yeah. after he calls his dick party size, which is the best thing that's ever happened in a movie. Um, <laughs> that's it. The dialogue in that scene is so wild like it's so corny it's terrible i love that multiple essays that i read as part of your little like cruising <laughs> reader were like compared it to sort of like cowboy movie like they both like pulled yeah. their yeah. at the same time like comparing it to like like gunfighter the okay corral it's like it's like a cowboy yeah. standoff they're like quipping at each other but it's like gay it's really great yeah, i'm yeah. a big fan of how corny it is <laughs> It's like, oh, what does he say? It's so funny. <laughs> the dialogue oh, wait, is have, really super. Apart from down? calling his dick party size, which is also great. That's all I have. I just uh, have how big are you party size. It's just oh, the whole no, thing like, where it's like hips or lips. He says hips or lips. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was so just like, like, I'll, I'll go whatever. Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like he's <laughs> it's so good. Trying his best not to engage in his desires. <laughs> I love it. It's Aww. so funny. Um, he also at one point says, the Paul Savino character says, you fingered him, and he says, I fingered oh, yeah. him, but I didn't think yeah. anyone was going to get that far with him. And I'm like, Friedkin! Come on! He did. He did. He fingered him. <laughs> Being a cop is kind of gay, right? Like, oh, oh, that's yeah. what this whole movie is about. <laughs> I mean, we might like, hit the nail on the gay. head, finally. <laughs> Maybe it's actually propaganda. We're like, oh no, oh, it's really not. Um, unless it's really, really homophobic, it's definitely not propaganda. Um, what do you, do you oh, guys dear. think about um, like the opening and the closing shots of the river, and like the finding the dead bodies <laughs> in the river as well? Cruising boats, get it? Yeah. <laughs> Cruising. I can wow. feel like freaking being like. Oink, like. Well, I mean, so much of the closing scene, like, was like, it was on the docks, and it was like right next to the Hudson. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, oh, the river. It's the it's the other character. Um, I mean, the book I, the Fiona Anderson book I reference at the top is literally called Cruising the Dead River. Like, it's all about Perfect. the river, and like, I just love it. But yeah, about like the kind of unrelated, I guess, unrelated bodies that are found. Most. I do think that that's kind of like making the point that. The only time the cops will pay any attention to someone being murdered is if it looks like a serial killer, hmm. which I guess is like yeah, yeah. But I also do think one of the least like realistic parts of this movie is that like they actually care enough to look for a guy who's killing gay people. Like, I don't know if the cops would yeah you know, yeah that's make this much effort to do that. Well, there's, a, like, yeah. there's a reference about how the chief guy Paul Savino is like under pressure because right because of the. Democratic convention. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And they're like trying to, I don't know, it's. Clean up the streets. Yeah, like how, you know, um, Robert Wagner, Wagner, I don't know, was trying to clean up the streets for like the World Fair and stuff like years before, you know? Yeah. Like it's all about yeah. keeping these dirty, violent gays off the streets. Yeah. Mm. It actually, those, the kind of cop sequences like Sans Al reminded me weirdly of Zodiac, like David Finch's mm. Zodiac, in that it's kind of police work as like the most excruciatingly boring thing in the world, <laughs> right? Like they're just coming up against like, you know, they're like, 
worrying about like what kind of knife it is and they're like oh well we've got prints for this thing but we haven't got prints for that thing and so we can't like there's legislation there's all this legislation we have to deal with it seems like but it's almost like it's like oh it's this legislation we have to deal with but it's like it's very much this kind of corrupt way of like they don't want to do it properly that's so against yeah that's that's what i mean like it's It's, they're like being forced into these kind of boxes where they're like, oh, we we think we've got this guy, but we need to like go and do this. We need to do all this stuff before we arrest him. Because like, we can't just arrest him in in this PC culture we live in. (laughs) There's literally um, a line like right near the beginning where one of the kind of trans prostitutes, she says, the only way you'll prosecute a murder these days is if you've got a guy downtown signing a confession. Like it's yeah. so it's so much about the inadequacy of these cops and how yeah. they just like they are really doing inept. their jobs. Really they don't care about doing <laughs> yeah, their they're jobs. Really they just wanna, you know, get someone in for it and move on. So they they will yeah. abuse poor beautiful Skip Lee into sign- doing a confession just so they it's over. Even if people will continue to get murdered, they could just be like, Well, you know, we found yeah. the killer. That's the thing. I don't think the end of this movie is like, and now no one will get murdered anymore. Oh, it's yeah. like, no, someone else is going to murder someone. Yeah. Like, this is just a cycle that doesn't stop. It is interesting, like, that that thing of, like, them not wanting to do the bureaucracy, and it's like, yeah, your your position is, like, the, the arm of state violence is causing you trouble because you have to do things that are, like, <laughs> yeah. part of being You have the to state file violence. some paperwork. You have to do like, stuff oh. other than the violence. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, in order to be the, like, monopoly on violence in society, you have to do a little bit of paperwork. Like, I'm so sorry, guys. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. It's hard being a cop guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What else do we want to talk about? I do have a note that the guy who wrote the Going Back to the Mineshaft piece, he said that, um, also for leather men of a certain age, it is nostalgic to... It's nostalgic fun to freeze frame cruising to see a veritable gallery of otherwise lost to history familiar faces, including the 1960s Latin porn star Fernando, acting all around the sexy and brooding star Al Pacino, who could have been that year's Mr. Drummer. I love that. (laughs) Maddie mostly loves it because he calls Pacino sexy. Um, yeah, yeah, I do love it. Oh, that's really moving. Oh, that's made me sad. (laughs) It's kind of what we were saying before about how this almost does archive like pre-AIDS culture and this way that it is like it is an archive of like all these gay men who were part of these scenes who were in the film, and it is this really interesting like way that it's an access point to look back to this pre-AIDS culture. It's obviously it's not like you know, oh. entirely factual piece or like no one's saying that but it's such just an interesting way of looking back and even seeing these real faces and these real people that are kind of otherwise lost to time and AIDS yeah that's really it's one of those things as well because I think these clubs didn't like people didn't want to be photographed for like years and years obviously because of like Stonewall and and all of that kind of thing like afraid of being prosecuted or persecuted because of it and then at a certain point, I mean, that's the thing with, like, Mapplethorpe being the official photographer and stuff like that. Like, they started to document things again, and then immediately, obviously, AIDS stops that from uh, happening for a long time. Although, obviously, people were still taking pictures, but not in these kinds of yeah. environments. Like, they couldn't archive so much of it because a lot of it was, you know, it put them at risk of being arrested or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So this is yeah. kind of a way of looking back to it, where there is, there is obviously there is an archive and there is stuff, but there's maybe not as much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there should be guys. more. Like that's ultimately oh, yeah. it, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. there should be. And it yeah. shouldn't be up to like Friedkin yeah. and everyone else. It should be better be than this. Men too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it shouldn't be up to like stuff that is gonna keep ev- that is gonna be comfortable for everybody, right? Like yeah. you know, S and M and leather and these subcultures might not be you know representative of the whole gay community but like there's no heterosexual common denominator right like it's not yeah you know we don't think oh well you know like (laughs) straight people are into leather too like it's you know straight people didn't protest 50 shades of gray you know yeah exactly they weren't like this is giving us a bad image (laughs) i mean it is but like (laughs) yeah it is but like for not the reason you think Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love this movie more than I should. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Big fan. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we like blasted <laughs> through that really quickly. Um Listen, I think it's been a really good discussion. I think that I, it's I, been really interesting to learn about what you guys thought about this guess. movie. And it's fun to have been like divide like most of the time me and maddie have the same opinion on what we're watching yeah <laughs> so yeah. for us to have come down on slightly different sides of the argument on yeah this and especially lara fun, liking yeah. it more yeah, yeah. Like, i think you know, it's kind of a lara movie though yeah i, mean, you like, I like i said I like earlier Friedkin, yeah but... i'm a freaking fan and i really like all the basically i like all the reads on this movie like i like it yeah. as you know as like hitchcock pastiche i like it as like horror movie i like it as <laughs> i yeah i like kind of all of its like weird faces which it has so many mm. of like yeah. even you know it reminds me of movies like uh, like possession like zelaski's possession and like movies about mm. like uh, doppelgangers like that kind of you know that history of that horror trope and like yeah, it's just really, I just think it's so interesting. <laughs> it's just such an interesting movie and like has given me more thematically to get into than anything we've covered on this podcast so far. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Sorry, God. I do also too. think it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's worth celebrating as well in that like, this is the first time gay sex had been explicitly shown on screen mm. In like any way, and it is so explicit, yeah. and it yeah. is like Fist, there's no coming, but there is fisting. <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's, but it's like yeah, and it's just like that. That this is a time, a brief, very short window when this is something that could be shown in a major motion picture. Yeah, than, yeah. Uh, yeah. then wasn't for many years afterwards. I mean, I saw people like comparing it to Poison, which is a great movie by um, Todd Haynes. Haynes, which I think is better than this, but um, like. <laughs> made by a gay person also so made by a gay person but like and he has a better understanding of the eroticism of it but like that was the 90s so like Mm. it took that long for it to start kind of being shown in that way and that's kind of a very low budget indie yeah yeah Yeah. this would be a good double bill with in the cut (laughs) oh don't say that to me should we watch in the cut should we watch in the cut I would love to watch it in the, the cut with you guys. I've never seen it's it. It's like fully, like, of course I've never seen it. such a great movie. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm right, though. Like, you are right. Like, you're making movies. me like this movie more. <laughs> in the cut is better because it's about being a woman. In the cut, yeah. In the cut, yeah, in, the, yeah, in the cut is this a better movie from than noted this. But... misogynist Maddie. She likes the one with women. <laughs> 
Unheard it's, of. Not it's, it's not enough it's that true. we've been homophobic on this episode. We have to be sexist as well. I mean, I mean, a few women do get murdered in it. So, like, but that's oh, kind yeah. of yeah. the point of the movie. That. Um, I'm changing that's my like bio to just homophobic, and then in brackets, liked the movie cruising. <laughs> <laughs> sexist, like the movie in the cut. <laughs> Perfect. Wow, Perfect. matching Twitter bios for you and your partner. Uh. Yeah, we'll have to put a disclaimer in the Pochino Twitter account, like this podcast is actively offensive. <laughs> Alright, yeah, fin- final thoughts? Final everyone? thoughts on cruising. Let me see. Great title card. That's one of my things really I like to say. Card, really yeah. good title card. Really good title card. So good. Great score. The yeah, the font's yeah. good. Good font. <laughs> yeah final thoughts are we else. like the graphic design yeah good Al looking makes this movie. movie that's worth oh, noting really has he, what has he yeah. said what has he said he he, he doesn't understand he kind it. of didn't he kind of didn't he well yeah he kind of didn't it. want it to come out and he said I don't believe Billy Friedkin shot the entire script he went and stripped scenes he took the meat out of them so <laughs> not the meat packing though <laughs> <laughs> plenty of meat <laughs> Sure is packing meat, this movie, guys. <laughs> there is literally like a very long scene where people just eat steak. I love and it. It's so, it's so oh, good. Oh, that <laughs> is. That's such freaking and, bullshit. Like, it's like everyone text. is eating steak and it's just like... <laughs> everyone is eating steak. Like, that's so good. And I'm like, yeah, okay, thank you. I do understand. Like, <laughs> He's a genius. I'm sorry. He's like the smartest man alive. <laughs> Literally that meme uh, that's like, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> Francis, thanks for coming on the pod, man. It's Thank been you so for fun. Having me. I hope I've been good. You've been a delight. Been good? Tell me I'm good. You're good, Francis. You're good. Thank you are good. You. It's been a joy to be on. I always feel a little bit of FOMO when my two good friends are doing a podcast. <laughs> It's like, I mean, who do I talk to for three hours? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, should we wrap should we wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, watch Cruising. I think it's worth watching. Uh, yeah, read the things that cruising. I'm going to link in the description. Yeah, really Maddie will provide all of our reading materials because they're great. Do you want to plug anything, Francis? Um, anything. What's your What's your Twitter, Francis? Tell we were just discussing people. that I don't know my Twitter. I only know because I used yeah. to, I used to be long walk, and then I got suspended because I was too young. Anyway, my Twitter is K Francis H V Francis spelled E S um and H V is two letters. <laughs> K is another letter. Yeah, K Francis H V, and I think it's similar on Instagram. I don't post very much. It's not worth following me. Um, <laughs> So don't follow we, Francis. Yeah, don't follow um, Francis. <laughs> um, you could follow have? us on Twitter. I mean, yeah. you could follow Porcino. Um, yeah, you do should. We do are it. on Instagram and Twitter, and I made us a TikTok and then didn't do anything with it, so you can follow us there as well. Uh, when will you post the fan cams? Um, and leave a review on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, leave rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah. What's next week? Should be at Pride. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Next week. Next week should. Next week is uh, Author Author, which is a strange movie. Kind of enjoyable though. Very very different to this one. So that's great. Exciting. And remember to tweet hashtag Alport Frankcast if you want me back. (laughs) 
No one's gonna use it. No. You don't have a choice. She's coming back. Like it's happening. Oh, I, I'm not just spreadsheet. You, you can't that. take me off. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.